awesome and we're fun and we're very good looking. So I feel like. <laughs> like what? Okay, goodbye. I like that, but I also. Oh no, that's wrong. Thank you. I had received your list of questions ahead of time. Like, I have no idea what we're talking about. So I opened it up today and I was like, oh my gosh, these are tough questions. Like I need to do this. So I typed them all up and then I'm like, oh my gosh, I have 15 minutes before the interview and I'm going to put on a 10 minute meditation and do a meditation in my hammock. And so when the meditation ended, I quickly just fell right to sleep and we were supposed to meet at 3.15 and I woke up at 3.16 and I was like, <gasps> oh <my God. laughs> and then it hit me. I go, oh my goodness, my definition of success is being able to take a nap on a hammock at three o'clock in the afternoon on a weekday. Hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like success to me. Yes. Yes. Like, this is awesome. I'm like, and I could be one minute late and no one's going to yell at me. So thank you for your patience. Oh yeah. Plus you're getting on to a call with people in three different states right now, which right. is also really crazy and cool and successful, I think. So that's great. But yeah. So tell us first off, like what you do, why you do it and how you got to the position that you're in. I am a certified hypnotherapist and I, what I do is I help people break bad habits and release their fears so they can make more money so that they can improve their health and so that they can love their love lives, Mm. which is really about loving yourself first, right? Mm -hmm. So I used to be a television producer. That's how Allie and I met working on the doctor's talk show. Um, right on the Paramount lot, which at that point in my life was success because, oh my gosh, to have a producer title on Paramount Mm -hmm. Studios lot Mm -hmm. and go to the Emmy Awards and be nominated, like that was success. And that at that point in my life, at that stage in my life was success, right? That's what I wanted. Mm -hmm. But after I had kids, I really didn't want that life anymore. I did not want to work crazy hours and be under constant stress and anxiety all the time and feel like came first. I didn't want my work to be number one. I wanted to find something that I could do where I could create more space for my health, for my family, and for the things that I love to do. Totally. Why I decided to become a hypnotherapist. Just so cool. That's phenomenal. Perfect what you did right before talking to us was a meditation. And that's a really good example of part of what you do. Because I have practiced with, what's the word not practiced? Would I, because I've had a session with Jen. What would you call that? Just that I've studied with you or I have? Um, an experience, like I've huh. experience of hypnotherapy. You've experienced it yourself. Yeah. And it's, that's a perfect word. And it does, it is a meditation. It feels it's completely solo. You know, like you have to really, kind of come to terms with your own, like your own headspace, essentially is kind of what I would call that. And you have to zone Mm -hmm. out. So I think it's very telling that it must also speak to you. It must work. Like, do you do that? Like for yourself, do you meditate on a daily basis? No, (laughs) I wish I could say that I did, but no, I don't. I get every time I go see my, so what I do is I see my hypnotherapist every other week. And on the weeks I don't see my hypnotherapist, I see my therapist. Mm. Plus every Friday, I see my couples therapist. So I am doing therapy in one form or another. Wow. And in my hypnotherapy sessions, he makes a recording for me. So whenever I I have a little time or I need a little extra support, I'm feeling a little stressed or anxious or anything, I will just lay down somewhere and press play and listen to one of my recordings. So that's kind of like my meditation because it's speaking directly to me. The difference between meditation and hypnosis is like a lot of times meditation is about clearing the mind and just seeing 
dreams where in hypnosis, they're intentionally putting things into your mind mm. that you want there. That's really phenomenal. I, I guess there must have to be a sense of very deep trust between the individual who is undergoing hypnotherapy and the hypnotherapist. And what I find to be so interesting, Jen, is that you're regularly engaging with a hypnotherapist on your own. So there must be a lot happening in your journey in that capacity. And then you're leading people on their journeys as well as your form of work. And what that makes me wonder is, is there a big community of hypnotherapists around you? How have you met these individuals? How does the world of hypnotherapy work? Uh, well, I met a lot of hypnotherapists in school. So I went to a college of hypnotherapy, the first one in the nation, actually, the first accredited hypnotherapy school in the nation, HMI College of Hypnotherapy. And I think I was one of the last classes I graduated before the pandemic, and they have not reopened in person. Everything has turned virtual, and they do not plan on reopening in person. So I feel so lucky that I was able to build a community of hypnotherapists locally that now come to my hypnosis workshops and support me. And I see what they're doing online and I support them. And we have a Facebook group where we can like reach out to each other and ask for support or ask questions. So yeah, I do feel like I have a really big community of hypnotherapists that I really trust. And I have, you know, three or four of my own hypnotherapists that I go see, but I feel really lucky to have that community. It's great. Nice. Well, now, actually, I don't even know if I, why hypnotherapy? Because I know I, I get why with the scheduling and lifestyle and it's like brilliant in a million ways. But why did you choose that field specifically when you went out? Well, because I saw how it actually worked and I was so blown away by how effective it was for me personally that I was like, I want to share this with other people. I want other people to know that this is like an actual thing that they can do that can completely change your life. Gotcha. And I know you could say that about a lot of things. You could say that about acupuncture, Reiki, or Mm -hmm. going to school or supplements or herbs. Like there's like so many things that people say, like this can change their life. And it probably has for them. This is what changed my life. This is what really, Mm -hmm. I need like, concrete evidence to really believe in something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, there. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I'm, what happened was about mm, maybe 20 years ago, I had been to m- multiple talk therapists. I've been to the TMJ specialist, a medical doctor. I had a cracking of my jaw, TMJ. Mm-hmm. And it had been a habit since middle school or since seventh grade. So it had been like a 25 year habit and I couldn't stop cracking my jaw. Ouch. And I, my therapist recommended I go see a hypnotherapist. And within three sessions, I went from cracking my jaw probably like 500 times a day to not at all. Mm. Oh, it was all in your head. It was literally mental then? Like it was like a decision your mind was making to do? It was like a subconscious habit that I had. And my conscious brain really wanted to stop. Mm-hmm. I knew it was not good for me. I knew it was like kind of ugly and embarrassing. People would see me cracking my jaw. I knew it was where all my stress was stored in my jaw. And it legit like cracked. Like it was like an actual yeah. like thing, but I was making it crack. It was like, it's like somebody would crack their knuckles. Like you do that to yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? right. And as badly as my conscious brain wanted to stop cracking my jaw, no matter what I did or what I tried on a conscious level to make myself stop, I couldn't stop. It was so ingrained on a subconscious level that I had no control over it. I, every New Year's resolution was, I need to, I want to quit cracking my jaw. I want to stop doing that. But I it's like smoking. It's, it was like an addiction. Like, yeah. And then I did a few hypnotherapy sessions and it like just went away. I just stopped. Wow. Yeah. Is one able to ask like outside of the hypnotherapy session? What happened in those three sessions? Do you remember? And if you can explain, like for someone like me, who's only read about hypnotherapy, but never experienced it, what is it like for one to have an experience in a session? So those are like two, two different questions, but, but related because it's just so fascinating to me that in three sessions, you were able to heal your TMJ and just like alter your, your comfort how long are the sessions? Like how, 
you were able to change your health. And I think that's phenomenal. So can you tell us what happened in those three sessions? And then can you tell us what a session's like? Yeah. The first like 45 minutes of the session is just talking consciously. Mm. It's talking like we're talking right now. It's talking like you would in a regular therapy session. It's talking about what's stressing you out. Because all my stress was like being stored in my jaw. So it's like, okay, here's all the things that are stressing me out. And then in hypnosis, he would very literally and directly say to me, you're no longer going to store this in your jaw. Anytime tension or stress comes into your body, you're just going to let it go with your breath. It's not going to get trapped in the jaw. You're just going to breathe it out. And it was as simple as that. And then he like really filled my subconscious mind with a lot of positive suggestions of things are good. You know, you don't have to be so stressed because yes, these things happen, but like overall things are okay. You're okay. Like you're good. And here's some really good evidence that you're okay. You have a, a wonderful family. You have an amazing boyfriend at the time and you have a great, great job that has security and money coming in. Like you're okay. And so just like hearing that filled my subconscious mind, it lowered the stress level and it replaced the cracking of the jaw with just breathing. Mm. And he's like, anytime you feel any tension, you just release it. You let it go. You don't, it does not get stored in the body anymore. It almost feels so obvious. Like, even though it's, it's like the most obvious thought process is like the hardest to convince yourself of. And you keep mentioning the subconscious and the conscious mind. And I think for listeners sake, it'd be great for you to just differentiate what those are without giving away too much. Cause I do want people to want to work with you and dive into this. So if you could explain the difference, that would be great. Yeah. So our subconscious mind's programmed from childhood. It's programmed through the law of repetition and association. So our subconscious mind from like the moment you're born to around the age of eight, children are fully subconscious minds. They don't have a critical mind yet to be able to decipher the truth from bullshit, from fantasy, mm-hmm. from reality. This is why you could tell a little kid that there's a Santa Claus and they will just believe you. They take in everything as the truth, right? What their parents tell them, their life experiences become their subconscious programming. And so that could be really powerful and really helpful and really supportive. And for some people, it's not. For some people, they got some messages or beliefs about themselves or about the world that are still playing into their existence as adults, but really it's like it's sort of like a self-sabotage. And it's holding them back from really achieving what they want to achieve in their lives. So the conscious brain's like 12% of our mind power, 88% is controlled by subconscious. 88% of what we do, how we feel, how we behave, how we react to things is controlled by the subconscious programming. So maybe 12% of the time we'll do the things that our conscious brain wants us to do or how we want to feel. But like, I always say, if there's something you really want consciously, but it's just not happening for you, it's a clue. It's a clue Mm. that there's something going on on a subconscious level that's holding you back from achieving that goal. Does that explain where trauma is like deeply rooted in people and that's like dictating their subconscious? Is that relevant or am I not? Yes, of course. Yes, absolutely. Because that trauma developed, planted a seed in their brains of a belief about themselves right world it might be a belief that i'm not worthy of love it might be a belief i'm not deserving it might be a belief that i will never have this or that or that like you're lucky just to have this or that like or it might be a subconscious belief that like in order to feel comfort i need a donut or in order to reward myself i need a milkshake like it could be right anything whoa it's just so, so applicable everything. Yeah, it really is. How we feel about career, how we feel about our relationships, how we feel about our love lives, how we feel about our health and how we take care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Our Jeez. fears are rooted in our subconscious mind. Do you feel like you're able to read it in people when you meet them? Can you tell you're like, oh, I am like taking notes as she talks. Like, I know this is going to come up or something like, are you very aware of that? Or do you need to have a few sessions for that? Well, it's not like I'm psychic and I can just like intuitively know. I have to ask a lot of questions. Like I I don't tell them anything. Like I let them tell me through like, you know, I used to be a talk show producer. So I ask a lot of questions to try to get to the root of the problem. 
And in doing so, I'm hearing different things they're saying, and I'm making these connections. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm making these connections. And then I might help them make the connection for themselves. But ultimately, as so going back to your your question about like what a session looks like with me, it's like we're talking cognitively and I'm taking notes. I'm taking really detailed notes. Because when we go into your hypnosis, I want to make sure everything I say is exactly what you want. I want to make sure the suggestions that I'm giving you are so aligned with what you want in your life that there's no resistance, that there's no like, I'm not so sure about that. It's like, hell yeah. Give me more. Yes, Jen. Yes. That's exactly what I want. Yes. Thank you. Yes, 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 yes. So crazy. It also sounds like, which is a kind of one of our other questions is your first career is clearly a very helpful piece of what you do now, which you probably would have never guessed as a talk show producer, like, oh, all these questions are so great. I'm going to use these as a hypnotherapist in my future life. Like, you know what I mean? Like we can't predict that stuff, but it's amazing how relevant that first career path has become in something that feels so different. I mean, you'd be on the doctors now. We'd bring a hypnotherapist on. You know, when I, I had to interview hundreds of guests and hundreds of doctors and experts in different fields and ask all these questions. And what was the tough part for me when I was doing that was like, we'd have like a three minute segment, you know, we'd have like three minutes to like get their whole story out, find the solution to their problem, give them that solution and then send them on their way as a success story. Right. And what I love about what I can do now is like, I can actually sit with somebody for two hours Mm. and like really get to the core of what's going on. And then I give them a solution right then and there because they bring all this stuff up and this is like talk therapy. You bring all this stuff up and then you walk out and you're like, holy shit, like I'm a mess. But in (laughs) hypnosis, you bring all this stuff up and then you go into hypnosis and you vent it out. And then so you cool. fill the mind with all sorts of juicy, nutrient-rich suggestions that are really going to get you going in the direction that you want to go. Yeah. So cool. I just look at, wow. I don't know, and having done it, like, Snooki, you should totally do a session. I should have had us both do one a week before this to have it, like, fresh. I did not think of that. But it's, like, it's still such a challenge. Like, I want to speak to that because even though it sounds like, okay, you can bend it out. Like, it's totally chill. Like you have to really condition your mind to bend it out. Like you have to really turn off your thoughts. Mm-hmm, and that's why I think the meditation piece is so important to understand and do on your own time because it's simply an exercise of separating from everything. Like, and did you meditate during COVID time at all? Like during- Yes, I think meditation was the thing that kept me centered and focused. Yeah. And everything from mindful meditation to just, meditating on affirmations. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I found that for me, meditating was something that just constantly centered me, grounded me. And hearing you, Jen, share that releasing the tension was associating with breath and just reconnecting to the breath. That's something that as a singer (laughs) slash someone who did the whole arts thing in LA for a while too, it's so important to remember that the breath is sustaining us in so many different ways, not just with oxygen, but it can literally clear areas where we're holding tension. Mm-hmm. My area, particularly being my vocal cords, where I would find that I would experience vocal loss due to not breathing correctly. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm just blown away at thinking about how the inclusion of breath can be the answer to anxiety and can be the answer to vocal loss and can be the answer to so many different things. And knowing that hypnotherapy is a path to guide people in that direction is just so cool to me. So I appreciate that. And thinking about mindfulness and meditation and how the two are kind of, I guess, opposites, uh, hypnotherapy and meditation kind of are opposites to one another are not two ways that I had seen them before this conversation. Hmm. So, yeah. You know, and I love hearing how how much respect you have for the breath because you are a singer and you know that when it's not being used properly, like it can really hurt your vocal cords. You can lose your, your voice. And I think like so many of us always hear like, it'll always be on the top five list of every like sort of self-help article you ever read is like the breath and it's free. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, yeah. Tell me something I don't know. But what I think is really what 
how that actually like worked for me was the hip in the hypnosis is because like consciously I could know like, oh yeah, take a breath. It's good for you. Like we can know that consciously, maybe 12% of the time I will breathe. But again, that like, if you haven't been programmed to do that, if like 88% of the time, instead of breathing, I'm holding tension in my body, that's Mm -hmm. sort of going to be my automatic response is the tension. And so it was through the hypnosis to like reprogram that as like, just breathe. Mm -hmm. It actually made it start to work. So nuts. Yeah. But it's all again, like, is there a word for, or like a term for figuring that out? Like how you have to, it's almost like, like if you had to split up, like, okay, so you start with a client and you have, let's say it's over the course of six months. Are there like names for these phases? Like, okay, we're going to do this. And once you figure this out, that means you've reached a certain, Mm. or do you just kind of know when they're done? Do the, do Mm. you finish or is it like a life thing? It's personal for some people. What I always suggest to people is like commit to coming in once a week for the first month and then see how you're feeling. And let's look, let's let's like have a conversation about it after those four weeks and see how you're doing. If you're like, holy shit, Jen, like I'm eating great or I'm not anxious anymore. And oh my gosh, I just nailed that dream job. And it's like, all right, just got my, my, this man in my life, I'm feeling really good about it. And I'm not doing any of my old habits of like pushing him away. Like when you like come to me and you're like, I'm doing it, like it's working. Then I say, okay, let's like scale back. And maybe we meet once a month for a little tune up. Mm, or gotcha. if something triggers, comes up in your life. And all of a sudden you're like, man, I thought I was really good, but then this happened and it triggered something deep within my subconscious. And like, then come in And let's do a session Mm. around healing that. Let's do a session about releasing that, about reframing that, about changing the story or the belief in the mind that creates the trigger. Like, you know, when you get triggered, right? There's Mm -hmm. always something going on on a deeper level, on a subconscious level that's creating that trigger. You feel it in your body. You feel Mm -hmm. really annoyed and frustrated and you're angry in your mind, right? So this is a sign that there's something on a deeper level that needs some healing around or some reframing. And that's where hypnotherapy, I say, come in, you know, when that happens. And I have clients who've been coming to me for like two, three years and they just come once every three weeks. And then I have some people who come to me four and then they are done and they say, oh my gosh, like I accomplished more in those four sessions than I did in three years of, of talk therapy. Wow. Jeez. Personal. And is there a piece of hypnotherapy training that is psychological? Like, do you have like a psychology credit you get with that or do you, is it not? quite the same. It's not quite the same. Licensed therapists have to go through a hell of a lot more training than I do. I'm going to be completely honest. <laughs> therapist, like a licensed therapist is, has so many more hours of training and so many more hours of like testing and practicums that they have to go through. The hypnotherapist who created HMI college actually felt that People who are not licensed therapists made better hypnotherapists because Mm. our brains aren't clouded with like all the facts of the entire spectrum of the human condition and all the different diagnoses and all of that, that could really like clutter your mind of like, holy shit, like this or this or that. And all the things that like, not to say every therapist would act in that way. If they're treating somebody with hypnotherapy, I do know licensed therapists who are also hypnotherapists. However, he really felt that the layman or the regular person made really great hypnotherapists because there is like a little more, I don't know, I guess just like less of a Rolodex or like stacks of textbooks that you're going through when you're talking to somebody. Hmm. I, it makes sense to me. I think that's actually brilliant because one of the things I learned in therapy was that I have an analyzer brain, kind of like just to your point, like so much information, so many ideas, thoughts, like it's like, like type seven, Mm -hmm. any, like all the things. And so the big, my big challenge is just turning that off and looking at a situation, just blank slate, Mm -hmm. what's happening? What are the basic things going on right now? And I think that sounds like a similar approach. Like you can't go into it knowing too much because then the obvious won't stick out. You know what I mean? Like, it's just very primal, I think. Yeah. Yeah. As I get more and more years of experience in this field, the more and more I'm able to lean into my intuition and trust that 
I don't have to step into the room and have the answer. Oh, I like that. I like that a lot. Down with somebody, it's like when I sit down with somebody, I all I have to do is ask good questions and see where they yeah. take us. And through that, things come to the surface and they really can reveal what really needs what they really need and what really needs to be done with them. And I take what they give me, what they share with me, and I'm able to craft it on the spot when they're in my chair into a very personalized hypnosis journey that speaks directly to them and where they are in their life, what they really have told me they need and what might be getting in the way of that, being able to free them of the obstacles to really allow them to feel so much better. They step out Mm -hmm. feeling like lighter and clearer, more confident and empowered. People think hypnotherapy like takes over the, the brain and like makes you do things you don't remember. And it's like, no, it's actually super empowering. You're not really control. You're really giving yourself more control over your own belief system. Oh, because it's your thoughts. It's like literally what you are going to think. What are you going to do? What are your reactions? Like it makes total sense, I think. Now, Jen, do you ever find that you ask two people the same questions to get things rolling? And while you're in sessions with people, are they writing down notes? Are they just talking? How are they responding to you in the sessions? They're just talking most of the time. I've had a couple of clients that'll like take notes. Ironically, as somebody who worked in production, like Allie. (laughs) (laughs) People don't know. Most people just come in and they talk like they would a regular talk therapist. Yeah. You know And you say production, I'm curious. And obviously I know you can't share client stuff. Like, so I don't expect you to, but have you ever come across production people or do you have production clients? And if, I'm curious if you've noticed like a pair, what's the word, common denominator of a fear, like this subconscious fear. Mm-hmm. I feel like I always had it because of the way my bosses were in the very beginning, my first LA jobs. And so I was like conditioned to think you're always wrong. Assume you're probably doing the wrong thing. Ask more questions or whatever it might be because you have this hierarchy in production that's very obvious. And I wonder if that fear is is experienced by other people or if I'm just crazy and a total wuss. (laughs) No, I think, well, you know, I actually brought this up to my talk therapist recently and said, you know like similar to you in production. I was like, I was conditioned. Like if you get an email, you got to respond like that. Yeah. Like you got to be mm-hmm. on it. You got to like really be high alert all the time. It's like the super high anxiety, a super high fear based of like, Oh my God, like if I don't like I'll get fired or like mm-hmm. I'll get yelled at or, you know, it, it is like crazy. And I hope that not all production jobs are like that. Right. But what she said to me that kind of struck me is she goes, well, they found the perfect person for the job who would respond in that way. It's a personality thing mm. or c- can be, I guess. Yeah. It's like, who are the people who are getting these jobs? It's people who are going to respond right away and have high anxiety and stress and want to please their bosses. It's like the assistant mentality, which I did about for about one week, guys. <laughs> and I was not an assistant. <laughs> but it's that, it's that vibe. Like you have like 14 calendars in front of you. And if you mess anything up, you're just like, it's done. And so, yes, that is that. But there's a brain for that. Like I have friends that were just naturally great at it. It's mm-hmm. like, it wasn't weird to them. It was like logical, analytical, and they could, whatever, they could catch us anything. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, maybe that's just, it's a type thing. I don't know. Yeah. The people who gravitate towards those jobs, the people who stay at those jobs, the people who get promoted at those jobs, it's a certain mm-hmm. personality type, I think. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Cause it's also like, what can you handle? Right? Like I know I'm not tell me if I'm wrong, but I think type six Enneagram is the loyalist. Am I right about that? I think it's like loyalty and tandem with anxiety. Hmm. I wish I knew more about the Enneagrams. You always talk about oh, so the types and I don't know enough about it. Yeah. I know more about Myers-Briggs. Always talk and tell me their Enneagram. I'm like, okay, uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> tell me what that means. <laughs> How many are, are there? Seven or are there eight? How many? Yeah. I don't know. I think I took the test ones. Oh, okay. It's so, I'm fascinated by it. Like, I think it's crazy because so much of it lines up. I think there's nine of them, nine types. Okay. But yeah, I wonder about that type 
because I like if they would gravitate, like if that's the personality who's like, they want that little bit of edge and they want to like be that, they love that loyalty and like really looking up to one person. So, and it doesn't make them freak out necessarily. But whereas I am just like, no, this doesn't, my brain does not work like that. But anyway, kind of switching gears, was there, Jen, was there like a turning point in, it can be within your hypnotherapy chapter or before, or like how you shifted, like where you just knew, not quite epiphany, but maybe, but like when you were just like, I need to make a change. Like this, mm. I, like some, was like an impetus for you at any point? Hmm. Well, there was, I took a talk show job after having my first daughter. And I remember I was in the office until I think 3.30 a.m. working on a script for the next day show. And I missed bedtime and bath time and pick up from school, like all of that. And like, I had absolutely no problem going to work all day and like my kids going to preschool or daycare. Like that wasn't a problem for me at all. It was the like, okay, I should be home now. (laughs) Like, I don't need to be working at 8 p.m., 9 p.m., 10 p.m., 11 p.m., you know what I mean? It's like, okay, like, I have no problem working during the day, but like when it comes to, like, there's a certain point where like, okay, I should be home. Yeah, right. And so that, like, I think that night at 3.30 a.m. when I was still working on a script for the next day's show, I was like, this isn't, no, like, this isn't what I want to be doing. And it was immediately after that. Well, I did do one more thing with uh, Disney after that. And that was actually really fun for a while. But then I just said, okay, when the timing, when the opening came in my schedule, I enrolled in, in hypnotherapy school and I haven't looked back. I don't miss production. I really love what I do. I really do. It's so special. How rewarding. One of the things Jen did and actually how we reconnected was, and I'm assuming with that new time when you did shift out of those talk show jobs, when you started that mom's group, is that when that sort of happened? Yeah. So when shortly after graduating, well, I had a, I had a baby and I had some pretty bad postpartum anxiety that hit and didn't expect that because that didn't happen with my first. And Mm -hmm. I just had this over real like sense of overwhelm between having a newborn baby and trying to finish college school and also trying to launch a business all at the same time. It just completely threw me into overload and overwhelm. And, you know, the baby wasn't sleeping great. So add no sleep to that. And it just makes for a recipe for just complete meltdown, maybe sign language or a sleep expert, or it would just be a conversation about something we were struggling with. We'd go around the room and each person would have a chance to speak. And it was really beautiful and it was really supportive. And I got to tap into my talk show producer skills by like coming up with different topics and bringing in different experts. And then I got to really begin to form my hypnotherapy skills of being a leader and leading workshops. And now I lead monthly hypnosis workshops both virtually and in person. And each month it's open to the community. And sometimes we sit in my backyard and I bring in a sound healer and she plays the sound bowls as I do the hypnosis. And I might bring in a different collaborator or a different expert. My business coach came last time and we talked about confidence and taking a lead yes. in your life. And next, actually this Sunday, this weekend, I'm collaborating with Heartbroken Anonymous and we're doing a hypnosis sound bath to help heal the heart for anyone who's experiencing emotional distress in any form doesn't have to be a heartbreak, but it could be any sort of emotional stress. And so, yeah, so this has been a beautiful way for me to build community and to have a space where people can come and feel heard and feel supported and and find some deep relaxation and and begin their healing. Wow. Community is big. Right. I appreciate just like hearing about the way you built what you needed, Jen. Like at that time, knowing that motherhood has many challenges and for you to say, I need this and I'm going to start building this so that it can become a space for others and fostering that growth. Like that's really phenomenal. I guess what I want to know is how did this community help amplify or even solidify things that you valued? Well, I really do value being able to have deeper conversations with people. 
which is why I love that you ladies do this. Like you've created a space where you can have a deeper conversations to really get to know people and what makes them click and what they struggle with. Like, I don't know. I, I'm like totally fine going to a party and just like talking about the weather and like school and what do you do? And like, all of that is great too. But like, I yearn for deep human connection. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like I want to know what's going on underneath the smile. Like I want to know what's going on behind the tears. Like I really want to create space for people to share that because sometimes I don't know that people always have that space, even in with their best friends. Right. Mm. People do. Some people don't. Right. Or with their family. Some people do. Some people don't. So like, I love that. There's so many different kinds of relationships. Like there are some families that just can't have those conversations. And I have friends that I have certain conversations with, but I know I go to certain people with certain things based on how we connect and how we vibe and how maybe how I met them or what they know about me. And, you know, like they're my friends in LA I've known since I was Oh my gosh, when did we go to LA when we were 21? Barely 21? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you know, and so, early 20s. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we all like we were broke together. We lost jobs together. We got in, tra- you know what I mean? And like that, those are huge connections that you don't even know are happening until flash forward 10 years and you're like, I can't talk to this person about this. I have to call so and so because they're just not going to get it. You know what I mean? Mm, but you're so right. grateful for it when you realize that. And so I think it's so important to build those things and keep the people keep, or whoever you can keep around, keep around because it's going to mean more and it's going to be different as the years change and whatever. So, but that community is huge. I mean, even the mom's group, you'd never think between hypnotherapy, a talk show and a mom's group that I would go to Jen's mom's group, take photos and meet new clients. Like it just, it feels so separate from the whole goal, but that is how wide that community can go. And mm-hmm. I think it's pretty admirable how many people you could have, you've touched that way. It's very cool. Oh, thank you. And, and I love Allie's photography. Like I always rave about her because I feel like she was with me in some of my, like, she probably doesn't realize it, but some of my darkest times because it was like, right at that moment between having a newborn finishing mm-hmm. school and building a business. So like she was really, Allie was really there to photograph mm-hmm. <laughs> that part of my life, that part of my journey. And she did so, so candidly and beautifully and naturally. And I just, and I remember like, you weren't really a newborn photographer, but you jumped right in to that <laughs> really challenging role. And like, I cannot sing your praises Oh, more because it was just like you did such an, a beautiful job. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was when Riley was born. So that was the postpartum anxiety, or was that with your first with Sienna? No, it was with Riley, but not until like six months after Riley. It didn't hit right away. It was like, oh, okay because you. I definitely couldn't tell. You seemed totally chill when I was there. But, but yeah, that's and to think how big those girls are is so nuts. It's like they're so old. Oh no, not but yes, but no, yeah. You know. Yeah. So yeah, I really, I appreciate you just as much. So thank you. But are we, I feel like I'm forgetting a question. Do we, what am I forgetting to Um, Well, I guess we talked and weaved in everything from community to pivoting to problem solving. I guess we didn't ask you, I just thought, I guess, Jen, how a word you'd use to describe yourself and why you'd use that word. That's a hard question. Oh, (laughs) Jen, what's a word that you regularly use to describe yourself and why do you use that word? Oh my goodness. I don't know if I necessarily regularly use the word, but when I reflected on it, when I was asked that question, I would say the thing that I would say about myself is that I'm friendly because anyone I meet, it could be in the parking lot at Ralph's. (laughs) If I have a good conversation with somebody, a complete stranger, I, in my brain, immediately think we're friends. And I have been known to invite strangers to a barbecue at my house who I literally just met because I just like feel like the more the merrier. And I just have the very warm and friendly sort of nature. And I, I really, I don't know. I, I I was thinking about this. Like, I mean, my dad taught me to always try to bring out the best in people. And look at the best in people. Oh, 
And so I think that like with everyone I meet, I'm always like excited to find what that is within Mm. you. Like, what is like your sparkle? What is the best? Like, I want to bring that out. I think that's beautiful. I think there are a lot of people who are so skeptical of others when they meet them. Almost like, oh, prove to me that you're worthy of my friendship. Prove to me you're worthy of my time. And I just think having that approach to meeting people, Jen, is so sincere and so kind. And I almost think it ties so nicely into the fact that you are a hypnotherapist because you really down at your core do want the best for that other person. Like you want, you want to see the best in them and you want them to see the best in themselves through the healing that you two will go through together. And so I think it makes perfect sense that you describe yourself as friendly in that capacity. I think this world needs more friendly people (laughs) and maybe the sunshine of, of Cali helps, but yeah, I think that's really, really fascinating. Yeah. I cannot believe you have talk therapy couples therapy and hypnosis weekly. Yeah. Well, I alternate each week between talk therapy, hypnotherapy. Okay. Okay. Cause that's a lot of like gen time with Jen like that. I'm impressed that you do that. That's a lot. Those can be heavy sessions. And that's not like my whole life. You know, it's not like I've been doing that, you know, all my life, but like at this moment in my life, this is, I'm able to do this and it feels really supportive. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure there'll be a point where I won't need to see my hypnotherapist as much, or I won't need to see my therapist as much, or I won't need to see the compulsive therapist as much. But like right now, this feels really supportive and good. Yeah, no, that's awesome. It's probably very balancing, I would think. Like keeps you kind of even keeled. But I don't know. Could also throw you from some of those sessions. You're like, wait, what? But well, I don't know. Like I feel like if you're in a field where you're helping people like you want to make sure you're good too right oh totally totally and i'm sure over time it's become more and more like you go into it balanced versus when you first started yeah so yes. that's that's a good yeah. sign obviously as you go in and you're like it's not like i'm coming to you with a big problem or a big right issue it's like let's see what comes out sometimes it's in the sessions where you don't really have it a, a specific problem to work on where things are really uncovered or revealed. So mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. Exactly. That makes I don't sense. know. Yeah. And I learned from my therapist and my hypnotherapist, right? Like I learned little nuggets of wisdom and tools that mm-hmm. are relevant. I can. Oh, I didn't even think about that. It's helping you help others in a way. Yeah. That's yeah, so exactly. Of course it is. Yeah. Very cool. And I think I've, Every therapist, regardless of what they do, usually has their own therapist for that reason. Well, not only for that reason, it's for them. But I think I think a lot of people would say they gain that same knowledge or it helps advance what they're doing a little bit. I would hope so. I mean, yeah. like, would you want to go see a doctor who wasn't going to get their own physicals or really, like who wasn't going to their own doctors? Totally. No, agree. Yeah, that someone was, that could take care of themselves is who I'd want to be helping take care of me. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, because it's like you have to practice what you preach. Oh, absolutely. Totally agree. Sorry. But I was going to say everything Jen said about like her personality and being friendly obviously resonates in what she does. And I think that makes you very approachable. And so a client feels comfortable. They're at ease with you. They know you're listening. And I think that all comes with personality type, which means you're doing the right thing. You know, like you found something that really works with who you are and what you want to get out of people. It makes total sense. Very cool. You find it later, you know, you didn't know that when you first started in TV, you know? Right. Going into TV, coming out of college, which I don't know if you guys remember college, it's like super intense, right? There's like a million views and a million like deadlines. So it's like, a transition into talk show producing feels very like more of just high anxiety and stress and like trying to do a million things and do them really well. Right. And then it's like, when I had kids and I had to shift, it was like, Oh, now what I really recognize is like, here are my natural talents and I don't have to do the things that bring up all the stress anymore. Like it wasn't actually as necessary as the moment made it feel when you're like, it is so necessary that I get this email written or that I send it before I go home and it takes me till 2 a.m. I'm going to do it. Like those urgencies, they, I guess they can go away when you actually look at it with a different perspective. You're like, that wasn't. Or if you do hypnotherapy. Yeah. Yes. Right? Yes. Zing. 
right. Like that's programming. Like I had to be a straight A student in school. I had to like do well. I had to get everything right. You know, I was perfectionist. I had to be creative. I had to have friends like blah, 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 blah. all the must do's all I have to do is like that was programmed from mm-hmm. childhood from like, yeah. Rules. Repetition through high school, middle school, elementary school, college. So mm-hmm. then like the TV thing was just sort of like a carrying through of what I was already programmed to do. Totally. Like I couldn't just stay out of college and suddenly be a hypnotherapist. It wouldn't have, my brain would have resisted that big time. It was through hypnotherapy that then I can sort of regulate and go like, what do I really want? What, what really feels fulfilling and nurturing and supportive? There's no way I could have graduated college and become a hypnotherapist. I wouldn't have right. wanted to. I wanted to hustle. I wanted to hit the streets. I wanted to like fucking prove that I could, right? Yeah. I wanted yeah. that intensity. Which, by the way, Jen is from East Coast, UK, FYI. Oh, what state? Connecticut, right? Connecticut. Nice, nice, nice. So that hustle makes sense, that East Coast hustle. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. When I would be in the um, bus, like the, we would take tours to New York from Connecticut, and when I'd be in the school bus and driving, and I'd just look out the window and be like, oh my God, those people are so cool. Like, they. <laughs> somewhere to go and they have to get there fast. That's what I want. That was a dream for me. That was success for me. Like I want to be one of those people on the street of New York with somewhere to go. Yeah. I'm important. I want to be important. Yeah, exactly. Remind me where you went to school. I can't remember. I started at Pace University and then I ended up going to Spain for a semester and then graduated from FIT. I did know that because my brother went to Pace. I remember figuring this out. I was like, wait a minute, because you visited there with Santa. I think I saw a photo. I was like, wait, Pace? I remember now. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah, he's theater. He's actually rehearsing in the basement right now as we speak. <laughs> but, amazing. Um, oh, that's so great. But I did, did you want to a performer too. You grew up doing yes. or you are doing performing. It's amazing. Shunke is amazing. <laughs> You're so kind, Ali. I so I when I was in LA, I was doing the performer thing, the whole audition shuffle, singing Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights at like little cabaret spots, and then doing like voiceover stuff. And so now that I'm in Philly, I've kind of moved more so into education. But I do still practice music, and I do still work on my voice, and I do still want to improve my instrument. But I haven't made performing the forefront because of that grind that goes into it and just the lack of stability that can come when you're stitching different projects together. And while I loved being able to do the thing that brought me so much joy in LA and call that my career, I just came home to Philly and I was like, I need something that feels more centering and more more stable. And so I found that in the world of education. But now the challenge is... <laughs> how to incorporate more of the arts that I love to do into a more regular part of my life. And so when I see friends like Allie who are finding that passion thing and making that passion your career, Allie, like I love to see that. And like Jen, knowing that hypnotherapy is your passion and it's your career, like that I marvel at that because I love education for so many reasons, but I also would like to have the space to say, yes, you know, I'm a singer. It's my career. It's what I love to do. And I've wanted to do it for so long and built it up for so long that it's not just like something I do on the side, but something that's in the forefront of how I spend my days. So work in progress, but I am still a singer. (laughs) I still do sing. That's what you get, actually. So you did it as a career and then you'd realize you wanted more stability. And when you moved back to home and you got into teaching, but so now you're another sort of like, well, I don't want to give up singing completely. I want to find a way to bring that to the forefront again. Cause that is your passion and your exactly. talent. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's what, that's what I'm striving to do. It's finding, it's striking that good, healthy balance. I think where I want to, have more space to be able to invite friends to a show and know the different spots around Philly. Cause I'm in Philly right now where there are amazing live music venues and to be able to have a recording schedule to go record. But all of those things takes time and energy and planning. And so now my goal is to make sure that I have enough energy to do all these things. <laughs> 
but not necessarily ascribe to that mentality of hustle, 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 because that's not sustainable. But so I think that's, right. that's my new goal on the horizon. Still feed these projects that give me joy, you know, work on this podcast because this podcast brings me so much joy. Work on music and rehearsing. Rehearsing takes time, but also brings joy. Balance out this career of mine that's in education. And so I think that's where I'm putting my energy and my focus because I value those things. And because I value them, I don't want them to fall by the wayside for too long. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And it it sounds like maybe subconsciously, there's just this belief that if I do my passions, it's going to take all my energy and it's going to be struggle and hustle and sacrifice. And it's like, maybe that's your programming around what it means to be a performer or what it takes to be a performer. And like, what if that didn't have to be true? Hmm. Ooh, like, what if that didn't have to be what if, <laughs> Good point, Jen. I think that's a marvelous point. Like, what if like, it's like, because that can create subconscious resistance, right? Like, oh, I don't have any, like, I don't have enough space or energy to do it. So I'm just not going to do it because I know how much it takes and I don't have that. So it's like, what if you need to free your subconscious mind of the belief that like being an artist is a struggle or being an artist is hustle or being artist is hard and takes a lot of work and takes a lot of energy and a lot of hours. What if we can reprogram it to be like, being an artist is so natural to you and it comes so easily to you and you can take anything, right? So that it doesn't, there's no ruining it. It's just like, oh yeah, I'm going to go sing here. You tell your teacher friends and then they come and, oh yeah, like I'm, what if it could happen so much more easily than we expect? I think that would provide the space for joy that I feel like I found in LA initially. And then when the whole grind part and the whole hustle part overshadowed the joy, I had to say, you know what? I don't think that this is balanced anymore, but you're absolutely right. It's like the programming happened later and I wouldn't have wanted to be an artist if it wasn't fun when I was like nine or 10 or 14 or 15. Like that's the part when you decide you love something because of the ease with which it comes into a person's life and the ease of just having a good time with it. And so I appreciate you saying that because yes, I think there's a lot of programming that has happened in the past, what, 10 years or so, including time I was in LA and time being away from LA. And I like that. I appreciate you sharing that thought because I might not have thought about it that way. I would always associate artistry and performing with Oh, got to book these gigs. Goodness, have to find this rehearsal space. Oh my gosh, have to write these lyrics instead of, wait, this is joyful. <laughs> so yeah, I agree. I think that's brilliant. Oh, it's so true. Love, like you, yeah. And I don't know, like, you know better than I do, right? Like what maybe is going on there, but how fun would it be if you could reconnect with that inner child part of you that just started singing when you were like nine, just did it for fun. Right. And have that freedom. Yeah. Like heal the inner child so you can go back to doing that thing that the inner child liked to do. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. I did a inner child journey on a client today. Oh, whoa. Cool. And I actually wanted to be a Broadway performer when I was growing up. And I went on a holistic retreat in Tulum recently with a licensed therapist. And she invited me to come do hypnotherapy for the group. And we did some inner child work and, you know, she's like, have your child see you and like how proud she is of you. And I was like, I did that. And I was like, my inner child's pissed at me. My mm. inner child's like, why are you not saying what the hell? Jen? What your hypnotherapist? Like, where's I, fine. But like, why are you singing and dancing? And why aren't you like performing? Like, that's what I wanted to do when I was eight, you know? So it was like, I reconnected with her and I was able to like, realize that like I could sing just for me. Like I don't have to sing to get a job. I don't have to sing to like impress anyone or to perform. I said like, and so I like wrote myself a letter to my inner child. It's like, sing, sing for you. Like, and Mm -hmm. after having that experience, I ended up coming back to LA and being in a production of Annie with my eight-year-old daughter. And we did a mother-daughter musical and I, w- I played Lily and she was an orphan and I got to go up on stage and 
sing and dance and do all the things that I was missing in my life that I haven't done in 10 years. So it is possible. And I'm still a hypnotherapist and I still, you know, had my job, but I was able to realize through that inner child work that like this was a piece that was missing mm. and that I really needed to get back. Totally forgot you did that. I remember seeing that. It was so fun. That That's sounds cool. very fun and very you- healing. Like <laughs> to be able to perform with a family member. That's and better yet, your own daughter. Like that's probably such a beautiful bonding moment for you and for her. Like that's something that's going to be in her mind forever. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was so special because she is my age when I first was in Annie. When I my first mm-hmm. musical was Annie when I was eight. And she's oh eight. my gosh, weird. I came full circle. It was really yes. beautiful. We were all sitting here. We're all singers. I had zero clue. I totally forgot about that. Well, that's cool. I know. And I like didn't know you were a singer at all until like I randomly saw like a Facebook post of you singing. I'm like, oh my gosh, Allie, you're so good. You have a great voice, Allie. I I could not tell you the last time I sang a song, but it's very cool that we all have that common denominator, so to speak. And it's very freeing, I think, for it sounds like we all can attest to that. Like it's very therapeutic to be able to get back into that. So yeah, I think props to you guys. We wanted to start leaving. So we're having each guest leave advice for the next guest. But before they do, we wanted to give you what our last guest said. And so our last guest was Antoine, who is a how would you describe his position? He's a teacher in Philly, but it's at a project management school. It's not a typical public school. He like, it's more like... Well, it's it's project-based learning school. It's like a very like specific yeah, type of high school. Yeah, it's, and it's beautiful. He teaches students knowledge that is applicable to the world immediately. And so he works with his students on different projects that when they leave his class, they'll either be able to go start their own businesses, get a job right out of school, if they wish to go for further education, they may, but everything he teaches is project-based and students go to this school specifically so that they can learn lessons that they can immediately take into life and start using right away. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. This is what grade level? Is this like high school, college? It's high school kids. Yeah, big- high school. What? That's incredible. What a amazing program it sounds like he's in. Yeah, it's really special. He's a funny, funny, great guy. Mm-hmm. And he said, how do you understand you if you've never experienced that which you are not? Ooh. Yeah, that's what we said. We were like, whoo. Say it one more time. How do you understand you if you've never experienced that which you are not? Mm. So yeah, I think it speaks volumes and speaks for itself, really. Mm. Beautiful. I'll reflect on that and meditate on it. That's a good one. So what would you want to leave? Would you want to leave somebody with an idea, like a anything you want, like an idea about success or how to approach success, life advice, anything you'd want to leave somebody with? Hmm. I would just say the same thing I, I suggested, I said to you ladies, which is like, if there's something you really want, And it's just not happening for you. This is a clue that there could be something going on on a subconscious level. And so I encourage people to explore that through hypnotherapy, through journaling, but like looking what could be in the way on a subconscious level that might be creating resistance and achieving whatever it is that you want to achieve. So there's not really like a clear quote there, but I would just be curious for you to share that with the next guest and see what they might do with it. It makes sense to me. I would t- treat it as a quote. It's like, it's a, like a mantra kind of, or like a, no, it's like, like an clear your subconscious. Oh, no. I guess thinking what blockages that one sees, what sorts of patterns there are and think about the ways that the subconscious mind is, is causing those blocks in life. Is that kind of a way to restate that question? Yeah, or we all get new computers every five years or 10 years, you know, like we all get updates on phones. It's like, but when do you reprogram your brain? Like our brains are like computers, like they are programmed. And 
we would never use the same computer for 40 plus years. Like there's an upgrade. There's an investment in getting the best, you know, and getting the best with where you are in your life today. And that's what hypnosis can offer you is like an opportunity to reboot, to reprogram, to realign totally your subconscious mind with where you are in your life today and where you want to go. If you'd like to re-listen or hear more episodes, you can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes under the name Angled Podcast. You can follow us and get in touch with us on Instagram as well. Our handle is at Angled Podcast. Thank you so much. See you next time. What's your angle?